0: Hi, I'm Dan Schindler And I'm Stephen Schindler And you're watching Yes Shift. And we're doing another book review. And tomorrow, we're having the authors on. Steve, tell them about the book. I'll pull up the image.
1: The book is Yes in the 1980s by Stephen Lamb with David Watkinson. Um, uh, I guess Stephen Lamb did the writing, and Watkinson provided. Uh, Rarely seen photographs. And yeah, I've actually read uh, Dave Watkinson's book, John Anderson and the Warriors, uh, a few years ago. It's pretty good. So it's cool that they were able to collaborate on this book about a period of yes that isn't as widely talked about as you know the 70s. There are these other books where they spend a huge chunk talking about the 70s and then like sort of have to truncate some of the 80s and 90s stuff and
0: beyond, I guess. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. And and this is from their decades series. Sorry, I got all kinds of dings and dongs going off. My, my earbuds aren't working. You're coming out of the speakers instead, so we're doing this the caveman way. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't close my email. The dog's barking. I'm sure there's a frog in here somewhere, too. Uh, oh, wow. But but yeah, that, um, so um, we don't want to create any spoilers, so we're just going to say whether or not we like it, and then we're out going to do yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, So Steve and I actually have not really talked or discussed or commiserated yet whether or not we even like it, or what we like about it. We've, we've had almost zero conversation about this, right? Right yeah, so what do you think? Well for first of all, as a book dedicated to a band and of course our favorite band, how would you rate it one to five as far as what you expected? not as far as how good it is, but as far as like compared to what you expected. Probably so if it's on the scale from one to five, I'd
1: say a four. really um, okay. Yeah, and um, I don't know if you want me to go into why now or if you want to answer, like... I'll I'll
0: answer, then we'll say our whys, okay? Okay. For me, um, I rate it as a two for what I expected, but that's a good thing. I'll explain why when I give my why. You give your why first. Okay, so I very much
1: expected that it would cover what Yes were doing through the 80s, like from drama to beyond big generator like to the ABWH stuff as well as the solo stuff that was happening in between and with people who left the band and um, the reason I say it's a four and not a five well, one of the reasons is that I was kind of surprised how you know they focus on uh, I'll just list off like John Chris, Trevor, Tony. Alan, Rick, Jeff, the other Trevor, I guess I should have specified, and Steve, um, when c- going into it, I was kind of expecting that Bill Bruford would also be a focus, but instead they focus on like these nine that I mentioned, which I thought was kind of strange, because you know Bill was so heavily involved with ABWH toward the end, and that's part of Yes's history, you know, as a catalyst for Union, but, and it's also kind of weird because it does explore Rick's solo discography during that time when he's not even in the band, but I suspect that maybe the reasoning is that um, it's possible that Rick's departure was in very early 1980s, so they're only accounting for members who were within the band, within the actual 1980s, um, and I mean, we've also like just read a book about Bill recently, so I guess I can't really complain, but it was just one of the
0: things that I was kind of
1: surprised was omitted. If that yeah,
0: that's interesting, and we should bring that up with them tomorrow, because I'm also curious if there was a lack of info in that period, or accessibility, or anything like that. Um, for me, the reason I say it rated as a two for what I expected is because it way over delivered and Mm. you're smarter than I am. So you thought of some (laughs) things and expected some things that didn't occur to me for, for no other reasons than being absent minded, to be honest, folks. And one of those things was uh, (laughs) when I think of yes, in the 1980s. I picture Trevor Rabin, and I forget that 1980 is part of the 1980s, but to me, 1980s being plural, I'm thinking of more the the middle of the decade, I don't know, it was just a dumb, I'm like, oh, there's drama here stuff, which is great, there's another thing that's kind of a spoiler, but I do want to bring it up, I do love that they covered... The album that came out in '79, um, the live album Yes Shows. Oh I, well, that came out in 1980, a couple months after Drama. Right, right, but it, that's right, but it, and and I found that odd since it kind of had nothing to do with Yes in the 1980s, other than. A product release so that was sort of like a surprise yeah I remember now it did come out a couple months after drama the timing was very weird about yeah. that <laughs> but but I love that it's included because it, it does work because it was a product in the 80s but the timing of it is bizarre and I learned so much more about it that I, I never knew I knew that Chris mixed it I knew that Chris pretty much spearheaded it And again possibly another spoiler for a lot of folks unless this is just more absent-mindedness i always wondered why it didn't have more from uh the tornado tour and why um it goes from time in a word into going for the one instead of long distance running around and all these years 43 44 years later whatever since it came out It never occurred to me it's because they didn't want anything on it that was on Yes Songs. When I read that, I went, duh! Like, that was really an awakening, if I must say. Um, I mean, same here. Like, it didn't even occur to me until I read this book that they weren't including stuff that was already on Yes Songs. Yeah, and I love that going for the one that's on there, but I never understood that edit. I agree with the weirdness they point out that that song is played in a medley that, you know, the just, it was weird. Yeah, um, like,
1: listening to Yes! shows without having seen or listened to the medley on the Tormato tour, I would say time and a word into going for the one sounds pretty good, but yeah. once you know the context of the medley, it's like, huh, that is a weird edit.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and like, why did he cut that out? I don't know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and the other thing is, uh, what I learned about the fact that it wasn't a triple album, but it could have been, and why didn't they replicate the Yes Songs model and be able to get more art and just, you know, there's that whole weird thing. I'll leave a lot of that up to the reader, but that topic alone was a great topic. So over delivered that's another example of how it over delivered to me how they went into these corners and pockets and crags and nooks and crannies that i didn't even think of um and i also was surprised <laughs> just as much by drama making appearance i was just as surprised by abwh because i was like well, I guess that's yes in the eighties, you know, <laughs> and I didn't even imagine that I'd be reading about all the solo stuff. I just didn't think it through. I thought yes in the eighties <laughs> and I thought of uh, had a very limited narrow so I know there's a lot of spoilers in that, but it i I believe no matter what folks are expecting, it's it's gonna you're gonna like this book a lot. Um, another thing I'd like to point out that I really like about it because you know me. Kind of kind of a caveman in some ways. I love all oh, the photos. There's a lot of great not that one. A lot of really right. great photo stuff in here. Some really neat stuff. Yeah, and like I, this doesn't do just like on screen doesn't do justice to that. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Good. And and to boot you'll see different uh, versions I, I have that modern drummer of Alan and and unfortunately the corner of three ships is covering a neat piece of gear it's a kurtali not in the set of cartolis but it's a one flat cymbal bell that's like two and a half inches around or something that's all by itself which I always thought was weird can't remember to ask Alan about that on an interview um, but it's also, it's also printed on very quality. Right. Um, so yeah, this 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 was great. Um, what are some, or am I the only one? What are some, if any, nuggets that like you learned that you had no idea, never knew about? Um, that's a good question. I'm trying to like remember. So maybe if I throw okay. a couple of mine out, it might be the same or jog your memory. Maybe. For me, yeah, maybe because you probably know all this, but more of just like look at my notes for a quick. Yeah, more of the Tony K thing was explained with nine hundred one two five. Like, how is the music there? But he's not in the owner of a lonely heart video. That to me was all explained on one page without coming out and saying the reason Eddie Jobs. You know what I mean? So readers, that's in there, which is cool. There's a little backstory in there. About Tony, I don't want to spoil too much. So, but right. do, do you know what I'm talking about? And was that yeah, yeah? Knowledge? Like it
1: clarifies. Um, what was new to me was how much of it was Trevor Rabin playing keyboards. Like oh, it's it like blew it was... some
0: of it. I guess <laughs> like no, but still, in the story, there's a missing link, and the story's filled in in that in the book. Yeah, and it includes
1: excerpts from stuff I'd read online. Like it had, it included um, Eddie Jobson's yesfans.com post about his time, like his two months in Yes or whatever. And yeah. There's there's a photo included of him with the Yes members. Uh, so
0: that that photo was surprising to me. And he's holding um, actually his official agreement for those 2 months and it's scribbled on a toilet paper roll square. <laughs> um, and actually before coming
1: on here I found another interview online where I-, I learned something else else new to me or maybe I forgot I don't know but that uh, this is an interview by J U uh conducted October 26 1995 and apparently Eddie was offered uh, place and Yes before relayer. like, we've heard about Vangelis and Keith Emerson, but apparently he was also in consideration
0: really? at that time, yeah. So was he in or out of Zappa at that time? Uh, he or... was in Roxy Music at okay. the time, so pretty busy, yeah. Okay. Interesting. I never, yeah, I didn't know that one before either. I did learn more about the whole... Jimmy Page, Chris Squire, Alan White thing, XYZ, I I knew a lot about that, and I learned a couple nuggets that I won't blow. I I learned a couple more nuggets about that that made me go, huh, and some of it made sense, and some of it was just like more knowledge and a surprise. I kind of forgot the timing, how close it was to John Bonham passing away. So there's an element about that in there, folks. And um, it was a huge, I mean, these are my two favorite bands, Led Zeppelin and, and Yes, or excuse me, Yes and Led Zeppelin. And when that was happening and a rumor, and before there was YouTube or any other place where music could actually be linked out, you know, that rumor was going on and it was like, oh my God, this is a dream come true. You know, with No Yes and Zeppelin disbanding, what could be better than, and then, wow, wow, wow but it's explained for the most part
1: yeah like they go into that period and even talk about run with the fox um there were even excerpts that i'd heard in a couple of yes music podcasts episodes um david watkinson and john d had appeared on an episode talked about the cinema i think it was rehearsals or maybe it was a show or like a private show or something but in any case like talking about what the vibe was like, and um, I'm not sure if I knew that, uh, like before reading this book, that Trevor Horn was briefly considered um, to be like, like they thought maybe they should have him as the lead singer before yeah. deciding. Like, a and he laid song. down some tracks, right? And um, they he even mentions a couple songs that I don't think have seen the light of day like that i would really like to listen to yeah um, time is is probably the main one and oh yeah that one i knew about really it's, i didn't it's know it's like about that. yeah it's like cinema but 20 minutes but it's hasn't seen the light of
0: day oh, like, i thought it was a pink floyd whatever. cover <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's interesting i've never heard that and i never heard any music of it I, I don't think, although I've heard a longer version of cinema, so is that it? Um, I've never heard a longer
1: demo of it, so, like, I don't know. What am I thinking of, then? i think you thinking of Make It Easy, possibly. Like, the intro thing that's before on our Only
0: Horror in the live no. shows. No, no, because I remember hearing... Chime in, folks, by the way. Chime in if you know what we're I'm talking about. Feel free to correct me. But I remember, so you know the main... Yeah. So I remember hearing a version where it starts out with just like the volume pedal of the guitar going... Oh, that's, yeah, that's the extended intro
1: to it. Okay. They did that on the talk tour. That's but... where I heard Okay. But nowhere near as long as like the twenty-minute version that we've okay. heard about, but never heard.
0: Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. Um. Another thing I'd like to point out that these gentlemen did a great job of in the book is they were very fastidious about when they would pull up an album. There's one in particular I want to, and and talk about an album. They list. They, they list all the, 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 not just the instrumentation, but as many credits as you can think of that it takes putting an album together. The, the engineering, the mastering, the cover, um, everything. Um, and one of them, I lost the page number because I wanted to read some of this off. It was the John Anderson solo album that had... Three Picaros on it, which I forgot about. In the City of Angels. Yeah, so what page
1: was that? Well, it came out in 1988, so it's probably toward the
0: end. Yeah, the the instrumentation is like, I forgot how many amazing players are on this. And then it also sort of uh, made sense that Steve Picaro is playing some of the keyboards on Open Your Eyes. Because that wasn't. Well, I guess it was still kind of uh, 10 years later, but there was a relationship there. You know, yeah, Jeff Beccaro and, was on it. Yeah, I mean, Billy, Sh- Billy Sherwood um, was like a friend of his. That's true, too. Yeah, absolutely. But I like how they listed, they are very detailed about all that stuff. And I'm, a, I'm an info geek when it comes to that. When I was a kid and I'd eat cereal, I had to read like the whole side panels of the box, every ingredient, what does it mean, you know, all that stuff. <laughs> so reading the instrumentation and liner notes has been a thing since I was a kid, too.
1: Yeah. Um, Let's see what else I, I, There were some things where I kind of feel like they could have gone further with, you know, like delving deeper into certain things. Um... I guess it would have been tedious going through every single thing that Trevor Horn produced that decade, but I was kind of surprised that with Jeff Downs, they only went to like a couple Asia albums and didn't really talk about his first solo album that came out like in the late 80s. Huh. And why? Yeah, and, and there's just like a bunch of stuff that John Anderson did that they listed, but also other stuff that they didn't, like stuff that he demoed that got um, unreleased until like the Lost Tapes box set years later, and um, even the album that Jonathan Elias did called Requiem for the Americas, which John guested on, I was surprised that there was no mention of that, given that, you know, Jonathan Elias is so instrumental in the production of Union, and they delve into that a little bit here. Hmm. Um, but uh, I'm guessing that they wanted, like, I'm, I'm the type of person who wants, like, everything. <laughs> so, I mean, but yeah. if they did that, then I guess Yes would have been, like, Yes itself and their activities would have been, like, a third of a book. and they're Yeah, not the main it would have been dominated been. by extracurricular stuff. Right, which tells me that there should be spin-off books, like John Anderson in the 1980s, Bill Bruford in the 1980s. Oh, I like that. E- even Eddie Jobson in the 1980s. Like, I would just read all of those. Maybe I'm part of the problem, but yeah.
0: <laughs> and we're not criticizing when we bring these things up. They're, they're just curiosities, you know. But yeah, I even did have that page marked of 1988 Anderson. Regains Control, John Anderson, and the City of Angels. So I just gotta read off some names. This, this is an all-star cast, literally. John Anderson, Steve Lukather, Steve Picaro, Jeff Porcaro, Mike Picaro, David Page, Joseph Williams, Larry Williams, John Robinson, awesome drummer, um, Paul Jackson Jr., Jimmy Haslip, who we know that name, uh, Lenny Castro, Dan Huff, Michael Landau, Mark Russo, saxophone, there's horns on this, um, Paulino DaCosta, can you hear Sasha barking? Yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. Tom Freeman, Jerry Hay, Gary Grant, Bill Reichenbach Jr., Kim Hutchcroft, Rhett Lawrence, I mean, this is literally, Produced by Steve Levine and all StarCast. Released May 7, 1988. It didn't chart. Who cares? This this was like, really, I forgot how many major dudes were on that. I thought there were like four people on it. I thought it was a four-piece outfit. Right. <laughs> yeah, there were, like, I, I admire
1: that, um, you know, even Lamb was, you know, it's not unbiased. It, like contains uh, some opinions here and there, and some I disagreed with, but I still like that they're honest. Because if just everything was what I believed, right, it would, pro- it
0: would probably be boring. Yeah, but... if we agree with everything, it's it's a sausage fest. Who cares, you know? But I like when right. that's what makes discussion. I think. I mean, we can all always discuss things that we agree on, but. The most interesting discussions are when people bring different views and aspects into it. Yeah, like from what
1: I remember, I think I enjoy Three Ships and In the City of Angels more than him. Um, And with Big Generator, I think we had like the flipped view of like which side. Is stronger, I guess. Like I actually prefer the second side of it. You know, love will find a way. Finalize. I'm running and holy lamb. So it was kind of funny, like reading that in the book. That oh yeah, the first side is obviously st- like not in those words. I'm just paraphrasing. Yeah. but like the first side is stronger than the second one. Um, but that's interesting, yeah, but, and it's all
0: perspective, of course. But the when you compare those two sides. One is clearly more short, commercial-oriented, and the others are longer pieces, a little bit more latitude and creativity given, I think. Not that the others aren't creative folks. Don't jump on that. I'm just saying that the others are more expansive pieces. We'll say it like that.
1: Yeah, well, I feel like there's a
0: mix of both of those sides on each of the two sides. But that's true. So on that note, (laughs) no pun intended, chime in folks what is your favorite piece of work that would qualify as yes in the 1980s do you have one Stephen? one your favorite one well is this a song or an album it could be either your favorite piece of work it could be uh, yeah song album Maybe you hate all the music, but you like one album cover. <laughs> and is this just limited to Yes, or
1: like the An- members? Answer how it suits you. Alright, so if I'm just sticking with Yes, I think it's probably Machine Messiah. Oh.
0: Probably. that. Uh, so, the opening track of Drama, I was there when it came out, I wrapped it, put it on the turntable, dropped the needle on it, and was blown away by that sound was not expecting that guitar sound, let alone such a high level of production compared to the squashy album before Tormato that sounds like it was mastered in a shoebox. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. just big and so that that's interesting. OK, so it's that one song, not even that whole piece of work drama. I mean, you said I, I did. I'm it's... just asking. I'm just asking.
1: Yeah. I don't if I choose a favorite I know it's just like three yes albums in that whole period like so it shouldn't be tough but like maybe it is drama I don't know
0: for me there there is stuff on those other albums I love like I love changes and I love hearts hearts those are my two favorite songs of the Trevor era, along with, if we can include, Miracle of Life. Love those. But there's something about drama that um, I just love. I I love it. So I think that might be it for me. Not that the rest of the decade was a a fail for me or anything like that. I just, there's just other reasons I like that, you know. Steve was in the band. Love Trevor, but it was just, I don't know. It was a crossover period for sure, obviously, you know. Yeah, drama
1: is definitely meteor in places. Um, Yeah. And, like, 9012, like, for me, the competition was really between drama and 90125. And, like, I think 90125, people generally agree, has better production than Big Generator. Yes. Um, But, yeah, I guess, like, the songs on drama are... Or like they live in my head more rent-free than some of the songs on 90125 uh, these days. Like hold on is fine, but it's like why imagine hold on when I can imagine run through the light. That in itself might be controversial.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I've
1: even seen drama live
0: a few years ago, so it's right. like I also have nostalgia from that. Yeah. And Tempest Fugate is on there. You know, that song is just so kick-ass and so different from anything that happened for a while. I guess Machine Messiah certainly is as well. Right. Yeah. Man in so a I... white car kicking butt all the way down the boulevard. <laughs> <laughs> um, folks, chime in with answers to the same questions. Um, and we'd love <laughs> to know what you think. Yeah, I mean, that being said,
1: uh, now that I've brought that up, White Car is probably my least favorite Yes song of the 80s. <laughs> it's just so brief, and yeah. yeah, like, it's not
0: bad, but it's, yeah. Yeah, what is the story there? There's a yeah. man in a white car, we know that much. Uh,
1: well, Trevor Horn has specified who it is at some point. Like, oh, really? That's the inspiration for it. Oh yeah,
0: a limo driver, tax and, uh, collector. No, stop guessing. Let me look it up. Um. <laughs> <laughs> and are you able to see comments, or can you check on that as well, please? Uh, yeah, I'm
1: looking. Um, there's, I see that someone named Coyote Cypriol said Don. I don't know what that's in reference
0: to. Um, D a w n or D o n. D o n. Maybe you meant Dan. Um. Oh, maybe.
1: Yeah, I'm having trouble finding it. Oh, it's so horns. Um, horn was inspired by like how he saw Gary Newman driving his Stingray, oh, um, which was given to him by his
0: record company. Oh wow, I didn't know. And folks, sorry if our signal's choppy. I just happened to notice a meter and there's something weird going on there. I don't know if it, I thought it was Steve's end, but it might be mine, which is the end we're actually broadcasting through. Don't know what's up with that. Sorry, don't own the internet, back away. Everyone just back <laughs> away and let us know. What's your favorite album cover of the 80s? What's your favorite song? What's your favorite uh, album? Def- definitely
1: drama. It's just Roger Dean just can't be beat, in my opinion.
0: <laughs> yeah, but but I will say this. The nine oh one two five logo and cover totally embodied this new age of Yes. It totally did. It it the music was futuristic ish to me, anyways, and I thought the cover fit it perfectly. It really did. Yeah, um,
1: it was a new age for Yes, which is ironic because Eddie Jobson left
0: Yes. And- for new age (laughs) (laughs) and i felt the big generator cover was just kind of totally disconnected from like i would think a second album by that lineup in the same era they would look related and at least the production would sound related the music was related but the cd
1: cover has the yellow background with the pinkish red letters which i think connects to a couple of the covers on 901-25. Yeah, but I mean, the
0: overall design and feel to me doesn't come as close as I would have expected. Uh, but then going back to ABWH, that album cover by Roger is a masterpiece with that awesome, his classic architecture. And, you know, that, that's a brilliant cover.
1: Yeah, and Roger also found a different identity with Asia as well with their album cover.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Whole new layer. Yeah, cool. So we we don't want to spoil too much. We're going to have the authors on tomorrow. We will haze them. I mean, grill them. I mean, we <laughs> will ask some of these other questions, but Steve, I think you probably hit on the head. Like they can only go so far or the yes members parts would kind of be incidental at that point, you know?
1: Right. Yeah. Like, like I do appreciate that they touch upon like some of the solo stuff. Um, yeah. Like with Steve, with Steve Howe, they even mentioned turbulence, which had a couple tracks that bits were used for. Union. Um, I know that I'm just looking here. Um, like they didn't mention this song in the book, um, oddly, but the title track, turbulence, had a bit that ended up as the Yes song, Give and Take, which was a European bonus track on Union. Um, it's probably been forever since you've heard it. Yeah. Um, and The Inner Battle had a bit that ended up on silent talking, oh, yeah. and Sensitive Chaos had a bit of, I would have waited forever. So, Oh, yeah, wow! Inter- yeah, like, Union is, like, such a weird album, just all these, di- they even included a bit of that Bondi Gazoo interview yeah. with Jonathan Elias about, like, what the ABWH band members were like at the time, and I'm sure it's, like, disheartening for some people. To read but it just goes to show that you know i'm sure that there is a little bit of blame with the producer and the style but it's like it's not the only blame to share uh, i guess i could say but for what it's worth jonathan Eli- like john anderson still worked with jonathan elias um yes yeah. within the last few years so yeah it's just like a real weird period which makes me very curious to see how they'll tackle yes in the 1990s because um, I think Stephen Lamb is doing that with Son and Barrow, if I remember correctly. Um, they, they can correct us when we ask about it tomorrow, yeah. I guess. But
0: well, yeah, like that chunk could be its own book, I guess. Yeah, let's leave it there. We know the signal is shit, and hopefully, if you're watching the replay, it plays a lot smoother. And thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks for watching the replay. Thanks for following what we do on Yes Shift. And you can see us on Facebook at Facebook.com/slash yes shift. Follow the audio versions if you're into podcast audio at anchor.fm slash yes shift. And you can write us, believe it or not, at yesshift.com.